So when I am looking to go meet my potential clients, I like to do something called audience borrowing. What does that mean? It means looking for other folks who I can collaborate with who are already talking to my audience and we can provide a win-win, right? I can come into their audience, provide some great value, and then I get introduced to their folks. And so when I'm looking for that, I need to be really clear about who my ideal client is, number one, so that I know where they're hanging out. But then I take it to the next level and I actually create an ideal connection avatar for myself. I want to build relationships with the folks who have access to my similar audience, right? We work with the same group of people, just in different ways. Welcome to the Standout Business Show. I'm Brad Powell. And today we're asking this question, can you get fully booked without using social media? (laughs) Just think about that for a minute. I mean, if you're ready to stop with this endless social media posting and you're sitting around hoping that clients are gonna find you after you've posted forever in a day and you're you're waiting on the phone going, gosh, why aren't they calling me? <laughs> or, or if you're sick of living in this sort of social media malaise where most people who are participating in this game are just exhausted because they've been chasing traffic and trying to grow their followers. Well, my guest today, is really posing, what if you could opt out of all this frenzy? So like, here's the thing, when it comes to building a standout business, most people are thinking that they need this perfect website, they need a large social media following, they need to send weekly emails, they need you know all the pretty graphics over everything, <laughs> they need perfectly adorned videos. <laughs> And my guest, Michelle Warner, uh, she believes that instead of doing all of that, you can get off the social media bandwagon by building real connections that lead to real clients and, most importantly, real revenue. And she's developed a system that she calls relationship marketing. And I'm here to tell you that it's really distinctive from any other form of relationship or referral networking that you have heard of. She has been on this mission to design tiny companies that are built to last. So stay tuned because we are going to take a deep dive into how you can shift from traffic marketing to relationship marketing. And with that, let's start the show. Michelle Warner, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Right. And I'm excited too, because I'm going to share that, as we said in the green room, I first came across you because you were being interviewed by actually a friend of mine, Jay Akunzo. He published a podcast that you were the keynote on, and you were talking all about your relationship marketing. And one of the things that struck me is, first of all, it's just quite different from a lot of things that I've heard before. And you shared a story of, and like a lot of things, like you found this way of being and this way of evolving in terms of doing your own marketing by solving your own problem of struggling with selling yourself to a group of, in this case, it was nonprofits. So could you share that particular story of just a way of sort of letting us into like 
your brain and how it works? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting challenge I found myself with. About 2010 was, was the timeline here. And my background at the time had been very much in direct marketing email. I had um, managed large nonprofit email lists, 100,000 plus email lists. So I knew that mass marketing. And all of a sudden, I was running a startup that needed to sell to very small organizations, local governments and nonprofits. We were headquartered in Denver, and I needed to sell into cities around the US. Well, as you can imagine, local government leaders, local nonprofit leaders are very uninterested in jumping on a large email list. And so I didn't have a skill set to reach them. And I was really struggling to make the sales that we needed to make for this startup. And at the time, I realized I was just coming out of business school and I had taken a couple semesters of, of coursework kind of unknowingly and almost by a mistake about how networks operate and how your networks are structured. And I realized that there was actually a way to think about this, um, to build the relationships that I wanted to build strategically to get into these conversations with folks. So instead of like this constant cold calling of some woman from Denver trying to reach so-and-so in Philadelphia and Boston and all these places where they didn't want to hear from me, I thought, how can I build a system and build some assets so that I can build a relationship for them, get them to trust me before we start with the cold calling and then move into an actual sales conversation. And listen, I was in a really fortunate position. While I was really struggling with sales, I was in a fortunate position that I could book um, just about any speaking slot I wanted within the niche that we were in. And so I would do a lot of keynotes. And instead of doing those keynotes, what I realized was, wait a minute, I could start trading in those keynotes and instead ask for panel discussions and host a panel discussion at some pretty high profile events that these folks found valuable. And so I started trading those in, I took the spotlight off of myself and said, hey, can you give me a panel instead? And then I reached these, reached out to these same people who wouldn't give me the time of day um, and instead asked them, would you like to come on the panel? Would you like to tell your story? Right? I just spotlighted them. I built a relationship with them, just, and just forgot anything about selling. And wouldn't you know it, right? They came, I gave them a platform to share their stories. They they had an opportunity to, to share who and what they were. Um, and they trusted me. And then sales flowed from there. And so that really sparked the concept in my mind that when you are running particular types of businesses that aren't necessarily going to be a match for some mass marketing, listen, some businesses are a great ma match for mass marketing, and I'm not going to argue with those. But when you're selling kind of higher ticket stuff to specific niches, you know, custom things, a lot of our service-based businesses, B2B businesses, a lot of that stuff, you have to think about it in a different way. And so how can you find a system? How can you find a marketing that is going to work beyond referrals? What I see a lot of people doing is they get all the referral business and then that dries up or you get nervous that you're relying on referrals. And so yeah, kind of boomerang all the way over to, to mass marketing again. And that tends to not be the answer. It's more how can you build something that looks like referrals, but something that you're in charge of. And so that's what I think of as relationship marketing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really like the part where you said, you took the spotlight off yourself, which is so counterintuitive from like all the noise we hear constantly about, oh no, <laughs> you need to stand out and you need to be bigger than life and you need to go out and be everywhere all over the place. And I think, I think the key there for a lot of people, you know, this works extremely well for people who are sort of leaning towards the introverted side of the spectrum, that there are things that you're introducing with your work that work extremely well for folks who don't want to be like exuberant and don't want to be in the spotlight all the time. So let's explore that a little bit. Like, 
what other aspects of your strategy seem to be super well suited for the, the shy folks, the people are going, oh, no, I want to stay in the background. <laughs> well, and I think it, yes, and right, it works really well for the shy folks. And it also works really well for folks who are frankly, like a big public platform isn't going to get you anywhere. If you're trying to sell into C-suite executives and B2B, a lot of times that's not going to work. And so the same, um, you know, to have a big public platform, you, you need to have this relationship. And so when we're talking about either introverts who just have a really tough time with visibility, and by the way, that's me, like I'm the first one hiding in the bathroom at any kind of, you know, normal networking event. Um, so if you're that kind of introvert, or if you have the type of business where people aren't just aren't responding to mass marketing, thinking instead about how you can um, hand a platform to them, how you can kind of create a project, do something that can double as an excuse to meet folks while also, you know, working with your marketing. And that first example that I shared, frankly, all these keynotes that I had, my audience wasn't listening to those. The folks listening to that were never going to be my buyers because of how the company was set up. And so I, it, the keynotes were doing nothing for me. Like it was nice. It built some nice visibility. And I see that all the time. We build this visibility that's not actually in front of your buyers. So the key is like thinking through how are your buyers actually responding to you? What are they looking for? Um, and then giving your, yourself an excuse to meet them in such a way that it is relationship building first, as opposed to thinking sales first, right? And that does help introverts because introverts get really freaked out. And again, I'm one of you by going into a relationship immediately thinking, how am I going to close this person? How am I going to build a relationship? And if you can instead go into it in like, how can I hand you some value and some real value and just give you something and, and make friends with you, then we can take care of the rest later on because introverts tend to be good once the relationship is established, they can have those conversations. It's initially getting that relationship going and feeling it loaded with the necessity of a sale that freaks them out. Yeah, I, I really um, appreciate this idea of not just relationship building, but it's so easy to be thinking about instead of going out into the world and reaching a large number of people in whatever way you want to try and do that. It's more of where can I find, you know, a version of a local cafe yeah. <laughs> and I can sit down with one person and have a meaningful engagement with that person yep. so that we get to know each other and we build trust with one another and that good things can happen as a result of the fact that the relationship is there and it's going to continue. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing, like even when I go to really large conferences, this is how, like, I can't handle being in the, like the chaotic noise of, you know, with 500,000 people sort of all going blah, 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 all around. And I was going, I'm the guy who's always like standing in the middle of the crowd and nobody's talking to me. It's like, yeah. what, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> How come all these people can easily talk with one another and I'm just sitting here all by myself? <laughs> oh, I'm the same way. And I go into those conferences. They're not bad things, but I think they're bad things if you go and just assume you're going to run into the magical person who's going to change your life, right? Yeah, Instead, yeah. I'm going to those events saying like, oh, who's speaking at this? Who's doing this? And doing some research ahead of time and knowing that if I meet one or two key people at that event, my ROI is going to be so much better than if I just come home with a random stack of business cards and I can't remember who these people are. And so it's all about putting that relationship first and understanding that the game for the if if your business matches with it, the game is you know quality over quantity. You need to meet the correct three people um, or ten people or a hundred people as opposed to the masses of thousands. Yeah. So uh, to the point, how do you decide? Like when I'm 
when I when I'm doing anything, how do I choose who are the correct people? Like what kinds of people should I be looking for? Yeah, great question. So I think about this um, in terms of ideal connection avatars. So when I am looking to go meet my potential clients, I like to do something called audience borrowing. What does that mean? It means looking for other folks who I can collaborate with who are already talking to my audience and we can provide a win-win, right? I can come into their audience, provide some great value, and then I get introduced to their folks. And so when I'm looking for that, I need to be really clear about who my ideal client is, number one, so that I know where they're hanging out. But then I take it to the next level and I actually create an ideal connection avatar for myself. And so that means I am very clear um, when someone reaches out to me or when I'm reaching out to build relationships. Number one, I'm not generally reaching out to people who I expect to be my clients um, because clients come and go. Let's face it. They're not forever. But relationships with people who always are collecting, have an audience of my clients, those relationships can be forever. So that's who I want to build relationships with. I want to build relationships with the folks who have access to my my similar audience, right? Not in competitive ways. I don't want to steal your clients, but where we we do the same work for the, or we do work, um, we work with the same group of people just in different ways. And so there's actually avatars you can build for that. You can say, hey, who are the types of people, the types of roles who are likely, who have likely already collected my audience and how can we collaborate together? And that's who I'm looking to meet. And when you get really clear on that, guess what? Number one, random coffee chats go away, right? That's one of the first things people say to me is, oh, I don't have time to do 14 coffee chats every week. And I was like, (laughs) I don't either. Like, I don't want to spend my days on Zoom. Um, I definitely don't want to do that. But when you're clear about who you're connecting with, it is really easy to have a few productive coffee chats that help you get to know the right people where you can set up really dynamic and exciting collaborations, whether it be a podcast interview or a speaking of some kind, or I do like a lot of training within paid communities. I come in and be a guest teacher. All of that sort of thing can get you in front of your ideal clients in a really effective way that actually ends up looking like a referral with those high conversion rates. Because you spend so much quality time with these folks, they just trust you right away. um, And the sale can move along at a really rapid clip. Yeah, I I love that. And when you're coming up with these different characteristics of like, who is my, like, for me, I might be going, well, I'm looking for people who have a podcast like mine that is aimed at, you know, business people or something sort of the same kind of people that my show is aimed at. And that's one example, or I might be looking for people who, like you say, have some kind of group or group program or some kind of thing. And they'd like me to come in and talk to them about what I do, which is video marketing. And so on. When I'm, you know, when I'm reaching out to them, I mean, one of the things that I do, which is how I use this show, like a show is great for relationship building with all the guests. Like, why else? Why? What else are you doing if you're not doing that? <laughs> I always tell clients, like, yeah, if you already have a platform, if you have a show, please, fifty percent of the guests at least that you invite on should be people who meet that ideal connection avatar. Because who knows where you can take it? That's such a great way to start a relationship. Now you're not randomly emailing people and saying, "Hey, could we chat for a minute?" Right? You're saying, "Hey, I would love to offer you my platform." This is the equivalent of what I was doing when I got those panels instead of the keynotes. Right? It's the equivalent of not having a solo podcast, but instead saying, "Hey, who do I need to meet? How can I bring them into the fold? Give them a platform and." By doing so, build a great relationship in trust because I've centered them. Yeah. For me, I found it's been a very easy ask for a lot of people who I would like to meet, you know, and or I hear about them in one way or another and I go, oh, they're doing something really interesting. I want to learn more about that. And 
I can say, well, instead of like a random whatever on some platform saying, hey, uh, I saw you're doing cool stuff. Could we do a video chat or could we have a Zoom call? People are going, uh, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but come on my show is a very easy thing. And what you were doing with, by the way, I can book you into this being a, a keynote panel <laughs> on this conference. Would you like to come? And who's going to say no to that? So in your world, in terms of other clients that you're working with, what are the other kinds of assets that people are you know, utilizing in this way so that when they're doing an outreach, they can say something like, oh, I have this thing that I would like you to become and be part of? Yeah, there's so many different things. Maybe you have um, a group program or a mastermind or a training of some sort. You can invite folks in to do a complimentary training, do a guest training, right? Do a bonus training. That's one great way to um, to, to meet folks. People have, um, it, you know, it's really whatever platform you have. People have blogs that are really well read. If you have a blog post that's popular, people would love to, to write a guest blog. I know that's not as popular these days, but if you have a very well read blog, that is a legitimate thing to do podcasts are very popular, you know, social media lives, any kind of these collaborations, bringing folks in to speak, any kind of way that you can, um, you can highlight the other person via whatever means you have. I even have some B2B clients who go ahead and write white papers. And part of the reason that they write the white papers is, yeah, they want to distribute it, but also they want to invite some targeted folks to come in and um, participate in, in those white papers and be interviewed for them, right? And get their names in the white papers. And that is a great way to build relationships. I don't want you to go to the hassle of writing a white paper if it's not also going to do some <laughs> other work for you. But if you're doing some of that work, let's be strategic about who you talk to to do that. And then one of my favorite examples is I live in a, a small town along Lake Michigan, and we actually have a yoga studio who's brilliant at this. So yoga studio on Main Street, and they are looking for those collaborations and how can they share their clients. And my favorite example of what they've done, they figured out a way to collaborate with just about everyone in town. But my favorite is we had one of those axe throwing bars open in town. And on <laughs> Friday nights, they will collaborate where you can get a joint ticket and you go and get all your aggression out from the week. You throw your axes and then you go over to the yoga studio and do like an hour long, whatever they call it with the, the relaxing yoga. And I just think that's a brilliant example because on, on the surface, you wouldn't think those businesses had anything in common, but their clientele is actually exactly the same, right? The people who go to axe throwing um, <laughs> tend to be younger. It, it, you know, that the vibe of those, those um, places is a little bit younger. And they're also going to the yoga studios on Saturday morning. So the examples are everywhere. You know, you just need to think about how do I gather my audience and how can I hand whatever mechanism that is to somebody else? Yeah. And, and I want to sort of leapfrog on that because really, in spite of what I said at the intro, you're not actually advocating that people don't publish content and don't put yourself out there in some kind of uh, content delivery way, whether it's written or video or you're making a presentation somewhere. That's not it at all. You know, it's just, it's more of the distinction of, Instead of going for traffic, now you're going for this relationship and more of a trust building thing. 
Yeah, let's get into the nuance of it because a lot of people just default to creating content and pushing it out on their channel and assuming that whatever algorithm is involved is going to somehow bless them and they're going to go viral and people will find them. And what I'm advocating for is instead of this just constant content pushing, let's be strategic about the content. Number one, um, when people are first meeting you, so I think of marketing in three stages, awareness, engagement, sales. They need to know you exist, then they need to engage with you, then they need to buy something with you. So at that awareness stage, a lot of people aren't even thinking through that real strategically. And again, they're just assuming an algorithm is going to bless them. They're going to post on LinkedIn 14 times a day, and somehow people are going to become <laughs> aware of them, right? So instead, let's think about that. And let's take 80% of your awareness activities off of your platforms, right? Go borrow audiences, go take your content somewhere else. Now that is more efficient too, because when I do that, you know, I have like two or three pieces of great content that I can repeat over and over and over again. So I don't need to push out 45,000 types of content because I'm going onto other platforms where it will always be new. I am always borrowing an audience. So that content is always going to be new and fresh, right? So I don't have to constantly produce new stuff. And so that's when people like take your content during awareness, take it off of the platforms. And then during an engagement, once they've met you and they're going to come hang out with you, then maybe, you know, it, it makes sense to send out newsletters. I send out a newsletter. It can make sense to be on social media so that they remember you exist. But this is now for following and it's in its ongoing engagement and its ongoing conversation. It's not this like playing the algorithm um, game of, of just running in that endless hamster wheel. Yeah. I mean, there's not much benefit to the hamster wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I want to be clear, like, that's really like, if you're that service based kind of higher ticket item, right? If you're mass marketing, and you're selling e commerce products, like, please go play that traffic game. That's kind of how it's played. But where we get screwed up is when you're not that and you're trying to sell higher ticket items that require a little bit more loyalty, trust all those things like, yeah, that hamster wheel is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Well, we got a comment here from Angela. Yeah. She says, love the synergies within an ecosystem. I always tell my B2C folks to use LinkedIn to find other providers they can work with, leverage their audience. Like the wedding photographer should find the wedding baker and the wedding planner and the wedding DJ. <laughs> I always use the wedding example. I'm surprised I didn't bring it up today. Yes, Angela, you nailed it. Yes. <laughs> right, exactly. Another, that's good example. Perfect. Sort of like one person can, you know, has needs all these different things, especially in that one moment, like I'm getting married, help. <laughs> yeah. And those are really obvious examples. And people will say to me, Oh, well, that doesn't happen in my industry. It does. You just have to yeah. maybe look a little further, you know, who's working with with your customers right before you or right after you, those are really natural places to take a look at, um, to build some of these relationships. Yeah, I, I guess Pamela Slim uh, talks about this, the her yeah. PB and J Peanut butter and jelly partners. <laughs> yeah, we were actually, um, I, I just did a, a podcast with her. We were talking about this. I think it was last week it came out. Oh, nice. Absolutely. There's a ton of synergy between how we think about these things. Yeah, right. And what she's doing, like she has this in the real world center uh, for businesses that just seems to be thriving as a community yeah. uh, ecosystem for all these things, you know, small local business uh, in the neck of the woods where she lives. So I just think it's just really terrific work on your yeah. part. Yeah, and, absolutely. I, and yes, we, we think very similarly about these things. Right, right. All right. Well, we're getting close to the end of our time. It goes by super fast. If there's something that we haven't touched upon, do you have a like final words to put a bow on our conversation? 
Uh, really just to be aware that this relationship side of things exists. And so if you are a person in those service industries or in some of the higher tickets and you're finding yourself on that content ham- content hamster wheel, I just encourage you to recognize that there are other options. All right. Well, if there is anyone who is watching this, listening to this, and they're super inspired and they're going, well, Michelle, I want you to help me grow my relationship so that I can take my tiny business and make it last forever. <laughs> What's the best way for them to hook up with you? Yeah, they can find me. My website is themichellewarner.com. You can come over there and I actually host a monthly event where we do a Q&A and talk about all this stuff. So you'll find the information on how to sign up there. Or you can always ping me um, over direct message on Instagram or LinkedIn. You're not going to see me posting a lot for the reasons we just talked about, but I am there. Um, so if you want to connect over there, I'd love to see you. All right. Well, Thank you so much for coming on today. This is really, I think, well-needed conversation. More and more people, especially in sort of the the high-ticket world that I operate in, people have this thing of like, oh, no, I've got to to grow. I've got to be big. And I've got to get the biggest reach ever. And I'm guilty of that. I I used to have a program that I called Big Reach Video. (laughs) It's like, I don't... I'm not doing that one anymore, but that yeah. was where I was. And yeah. I try, I'm doing it in a very different game now. So anyway, I just really appreciate your take on all of this. Yeah, I appreciate you. And we need some right reach radio, uh, radio right? Instead of big reach That's or right, right reach video. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you for being open to the conversation. And thank you so much for having me. For those of you listening at the end here, I just want to remind you, but if you'd like to go and binge on all the archive of the Standout Business Show, just go to standoutbusiness.show and you can get in the door. All of the audio, all of the video, all the show notes, all the links to all the relevant stuff, it's all there. And you can binge to your heart's content. We go live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern time. And until the next time, so long, everyone. Everyone.